Well, here we are. This is Julian Bray with the latest edition of the podcast. And uh, we're outside today. I've actually had to take the car down to the garage. And this is uh, P&L Motors down in Whittlesea. Uh, we had some fun and games, if you recall, with uh, the locking nuts on the tyres. Uh, couldn't find the key for it. And so uh, the good lads there, they got them ordered a new set. But anyway, that's my particular problem. And uh, no doubt we'll get it sorted and away. Well, the problem as I'm seeing it, uh, I had a, an interesting three quarters of an hour on Talkback on BBC Radio Ulster yesterday. Uh, you'll find it on the uh, BBC Sounds app. But basically, it is very, very clear that there's still a big problem with people trying to obtain their refunds when flights are cancelled. And what is happening, of course, the airlines are issuing, well, vouchers instead of cash. Under the European package travel regulations, you should be receiving your full cash refund within 14 days. And of course, that's not happening because they're putting all sorts of barriers up at websites and when you look at the website, they will tell you that, uh, yes, uh, we can do this, that and the other, but they don't mention cash anywhere. You literally have to telephone in to try and get a cash refund. Now, it's quite harrowing because not everybody is traveling for a holiday purpose. They might be going because uh, a relation has died and they're going to attend the funeral wake or even bring the casket back to the UK and it's particularly harrowing because the last thing they need is a paper voucher for a flight in the future because their flight was time critical. The other problem is that uh, not all travel insurance policies will cover this particular pandemic or the consequences of. So what you have to do is to make sure, first of all, if you are actually going to travel anywhere, and of course, at the moment, of course, we're not allowed to travel because uh, that is actually <laughs> the Foreign Commonwealth Office have it on their website. Brits aren't allowed to travel anywhere. But getting back to the actual payments of any ticket, please make sure you use a valid credit card. The whole point of the credit card is that you can then join in the credit card company in with any claim that you have. So this is how it works. You haven't got your money back, so you therefore get onto the credit card company direct and say that uh, you, want, you want a refund. And if that doesn't work, you tell them that you want a charge back. Now, this is a device whereby the credit card company raises on your behalf a formal complaint. But the credit card company will immediately take the money out of the merchant, i.e. the airline or whoever it is, out of their account and put it in escrow while they sort out the problem. Which means, of course, that the airline has got to devote quite a bit of uh, staff time to sorting out your complaint. But what you're doing, you're elevating your complaint to the top of the pile. And believe you me, there are many hundreds of thousands 
of claims going through at the moment. So if you're quite au fait with that, then that is one possible uh, avenue of attack. Remember, of course, that you must spend at least £100 on your credit card, uh, even if the bill is, say, three or £4,000, the total bill, which it could well be if a, if a, a family is travelling together. So what you do is just spend the thousand, sorry, spend their £100, and then, of course, uh, the credit card companies joined in for the, not the 100, but the total amount. Yes, the 4,000. So if you paid the balance in cash, it doesn't matter. They're still joined in. So try that. And the other line of attack, of course, is section 75 of the Consumer Credit Act. Section 75, Consumer Credit Act. Uh, that is the bit of legislation that will help you obtain your refund. So I hope it all works well for you. And uh, if you are in that position, we'll see what we can do. Coronavirus, 728. And people travelling through some UK airports are being told to cover their faces and wear gloves because of COVID-19. Now, the new rules will apply to those travelling through Manchester... Stansted and East Midlands airports and that will happen from Thursday and Heathrow is now trialling passenger temperature checks when people come through. Should these measures have been brought in much sooner to stop the spread? I know they're doing it in other countries. Well let's discuss this with Julian Bray, an aviation commentator. Um, Julian, thank you for joining us. Happy VE Day. And happy VE Day to you. Thank you. Now it's interesting because this came up in the daily briefing yesterday from Downing Street and uh, Mrs Harry said actually temperature checks, they're not the, the magic bullet that you'd think they might be because many people are asymptomatic and because it's difficult to find a check that isn't, she used the word distracted, didn't she? Distracted by other things that it might sense around you. So they're not very accurate either. So do you think we should have done this sooner or are temperature checks, well, they're not very good? Well, it's part of a whole package of measures and uh, some people are very critical saying we should have acted a lot sooner. Yeah. And, but really, hindsight's a great thing, isn't it? But uh, whatever, you, whatever they did do would probably be wrong. So uh, <laughs> looking forward, what's happening now, of course, is that uh, people are hoping that one day that we'll get the vaccine and uh, all the flights will come back again. Uh, it won't be normal. There'll be a new normal. I think we're, we're resigned to that now. And uh, what is happening is that uh, Manchester Airport Group, uh, or MAG as it's uh, shortened, they control uh, Stansted and Manchester. They're saying that uh, they want uh, passengers to wear masks and also gloves. Now, this is going a bit further than some of the European uh airports would just say that uh, they're introducing masks for people. But the problem is this, uh, this social collective uh, idea that you cannot space yourself, you yes. can't distance yourself exactly. in an airport, especially when you're going through the x-ray machines, uh, through security, everybody bunches together. So they're trying to find a way around this. And uh, initially, uh, they will be handing out masks to people, but they're hoping that people will get the idea and they'll bring their own masks. So they'll be properly masked up before they mm. get into the airport building. And in fact, uh, Air France point out that uh, the 
filters they have on aircraft these days will take out 99.99% of the smallest viruses. Oh. But that's all very well once you're actually on the plane and you're in the cigar tube because obviously the, the air is under pressure there and mm -hmm. it is actually forced through the air conditioning system. So that is a, a bit of relief, but well, the thing yeah, is you still to, have to get there. That's true, but just interject, interject that completely... Um, counteract something that I heard somebody was saying well yeah you can't social distance on a plane for sure but even if you could they said the air conditioning would just sort of flush all the particles around but from what you're saying it's actually the opposite no, it, it, it is a, there's a lot of filters there because um, <laughs> um, many years ago there was a little airline called British Island Airways and the, the boss there, Peter Villas, uh, was, uh, well, he was a smoker, a real, really bad smoker, if you like, a heavy yeah. smoker, not a bad smoker. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he was complaining that, uh, the, uh, that the cost of uh, changing air filtration, these are on BA 111s and the air filtration there wasn't quite so expensive, uh, quite so. Uh, uh, up to date and he said it cost an absolute fortune and it's all down to smoking and uh, so they're actually taking out a lot of the stuff then but with these hepalite filters uh, which are sort of the same grade you have in an operating theatre in fact so uh, it, that will be taking out some well quite a lot of the virus once you're on board but you yeah. still have to get on board so when do you think or do you think we'll be able to get sort of the aviation industry back up and running to full capacity? Can that happen without a vaccine? Well, we are, well, some airlines are looking at uh, three to seven years' time. Ah. That's what they're saying, because the point ah. is that when the flights do start to come back, and remember, there's a lot of obstacles in their way because the airspace is closed, some countries are closed, and some destinations just aren't ready to receive anybody. Ah. And uh, whereas other destinations are saying, well, like, for example, Benidorm in Spain, um, the bars are refusing to open, um, although Spain is declaring the place partially open. Uh, but they have to close down half the bar. You're only allowed 50% of the space. This is in order to uh, keep people, well, the mm. number, number of people con congregating together down. And they say, no, we can't uh, run our bars on that basis. So they remain closed. So nobody's got the ideal solution yet, but it will take a very long time. And, of course, the aviation industry would be a lot smaller. Yeah. Many of those planes you've seen parked up will not be flying again with their current owners. Wow. They will either go to what we call the boneyard for stripping down, mm -hmm. or they might be sold on, or they might be converted into cargo. Goodness. Uh, so it really is very, very serious, and uh, yeah. it's costing an absolute fortune, of course, because they've got to pay for the parking for wow. these planes as well. Yeah, it's bleak times, isn't it, for the industry? Julian, thank you for bringing us the latest. Um, and don't forget, just to cheer you up, we are having a sing-song after 8 o'clock. Vera Lynn will meet again. So, yeah, well, in full voice, I'm sure, this morning. Thank you. That's Julian Bray there, aviation commentator with the very latest bleak news from the aviation industry. It's 7.33. Stick around. We continue to celebrate to mark VE Day virtually here on BBC Radio Kent. Want to know your stories? Were you there? Were you very small? What was it like? Or do you have some stories passed down, perhaps? from your your mum, your grandma, your dad, your granddad, 0800 756 1111 and we will talk to a veteran after 8 o'clock this morning to find out what it was like. George Batts will join us. The Wake Up Call with Ian Collins and Anna Cookson. BBC Radio Kent. For right now, let's turn to the Imperial